Welcome to Twig, your weekly geekly family-friendly news show that tackles everything from a 24-hour anime channel to a new Nintendo 64 with some games in between, of course. If you're listening on the podcast version of the show, be sure to give us a good review. Also, make sure to sub or follow if you haven't already because whenever we get to 100 uh, follows over on Spotify, or as I like to call it, Spoofy, whenever we get to 100, I will bring in actual Twigs to this show. That is when Twig will officially have Twigs. So just know the Offer is good. I'm still standing on that promise. If you're watching on YouTube, first off, hi, YouTube. We're glad that you're here. Be sure to click like, subscribe if you haven't already. Or, you know what? Even better, you can come and listen live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern over on twitch.tv slash checkpointchurch. We're going to get started as we always do here. I'm going to ask the chat, if you would, let me know what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you reading? What have you been getting into over the past couple days? I am not watching much. I was out of town this weekend, and so I had like zero internet access, which is unfortunate, but it is just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. I wanted to watch more of the house, the fall of the, fall of the house of Russia, the fall of the house of Usher, I believe. Is it the fall of the house of Usher? That sounds right. I've been calling it Usher, uh, and I have only gotten to watch the first episode, and I'm so disappointed. I want to watch the whole thing. I wanted to binge it in one day, but my weekend just didn't work out that way. And if for those of you that were here at the beginning of stream, the, my life has not worked out that way over the past 48 hours. So I've had no time to watch anything, but I am wanting to binge through that. I'm playing uh, two games mostly. I really want to get into our life, but I just I can't find the space for it to function properly. I've been playing so much Catherine. I have been playing Catherine uh, every single night and oh my goodness, Catherine Full Body may just be one of my favorite games. It has been delightful. I have enjoyed every minute of this story. It is so unbearably challenging. I do not like the puzzles, but I love the puzzles. I get so frustrated by them, but whenever I solve them, they feel so like satisfactory and it just we just had a huge twist in the story where I'm at and I'm absolutely here for it. I'm very close to the end game. Cannot wait to experience. As I understand it, I think this game has like 12 endings, so I'm very excited to experience all 12 of them. That's how much I'm loving this story. And I am currently reading Pines for our Checkpoint Book Club, and I'm real into it. I think it is excellent as well. And I am continuing my One Piece binge. I think I've been through like 100 chapters over the past couple weeks, which is quite a bit, but just a drop in the bucket of where I need to be, because I know we're over a 1,000 chapters at this point, and I'm almost at chapter 800. So... We're getting there slowly but surely, still continuing to enjoy One Piece as I always have, although I really just want to catch up for catching up's sake. Turning to the chat with some of our some of our chats, watch, play, read. Sticky Pig says, watching Usher, reading, making it so, Patrick Stewart's new autobiography, very cool, and playing, you just finished Jedi Survivor and Alan Wake Remastered, prepping for Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2. Yes, those are two exciting games that are very close and near on the horizon. I have been enjoying, I watched through the entire Let's Play of Alan Wake 1, and uh, I have not done American Nightmare, but I think that's like a DLC. I can't really understand the Alan Wake universe and the games and how it all works and pans together, but I've been enjoying kind of just playing through or watching through all of their games. So I'm almost done with Quantum Break at this point. I'm kind of watching them in a weird order. I started with Alan Wake, then I watched Control, then I watched Quantum Break. So I've been all over the place. And Spider-Man 2, we will see about Spider-Man 2 for me. I definitely will not be playing it day one. It'll be on the backlog for a while. I only sort of enjoyed the first Spider-Man, so... 
Time will tell where I go with the rest of that one. Mayfly says, playing to no one's surprise, more BG3. That is indeed not surprising. Gobi Church, welcome in. Let us know what you've been watching, playing, and reading. We are going to move in, though, to our trending headlines for tonight. So our first headline for the evening is Sony unveils the PS5 Slim, a compact and adaptable console option for this holiday season, signaling a shift towards accommodating the increasing digital trend in the gaming community. Sony has confirmed the upcoming release of the PS5 Slim this holiday season. The redesigned PS5 offers a one terabyte storage capacity up from the original 825 gigabyte and provides the choice to attach an ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive to the digital edition. In terms of design, the new model is over 30% smaller in volume and lighter by 18 to 24% than its predecessor. The revamped PS5 will be available in November in the, in the US with a global rollout to follow. Pricing varies by region, with the slim digital edition priced higher than the original digital edition. Notably, Sony's move towards a digital edition with the ability to add a disk drive later reflects on evolving digital-focused strategy, aiming to boost sales from their online gaming store. So a lot of intriguing things happening. They did not take the opportunity with the PS5 Slim to change the design even a little bit, but it is it is a weird thing that they're doing as far as like putting it on its side and now it has this like little paper clip that it can stand on and the addition of this like later add-on disk drive. It's a weird choice. There's no doubt in my mind that Sony is going to do everything that they can to continue focusing on digital sales because I think that is where a lot of the money is made. I think we're all seeing kind of the, the writing on the wall that we're not going to be able to continue doing physical sales in a way that is effective for these mega markets in the video game world. But I think that all in all, this is unsurprising and unimpressive, just kind of Sony being Sony and doing what they do. I would anticipate next holiday season, we'll probably get a PS5 Pro and it'll be a bit heftier and a bit stronger and faster too. And then maybe the next holiday season, we'll unveil the PS6. Sony is pretty predictable and they don't necessarily do anything too surprising except for design this absolutely atrocious, <laughs> atrocious thing that is the PS5. It is such an awkward shape. I've been using mine stand up. Do you remember whenever they were like, don't stand them up because that's bad. And then they were like, don't lay them down. That's bad too. We don't know how to use these things. We don't know in what way to actually use them. I'm personally excited for the little handheld thing to see how that works. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty lackluster with, with Sony in general and the kind of stuff that they're able to provide. But it does run games really good and they look so pretty. Let's see. Sneaky Pig says, yeah, no longer weighs the same amount as a tube TV. And especially with stores like Best Buy saying they're going to stop selling physical media. Yes, that was almost a news story tonight, but it did not quite make the cut. So let us know your thoughts on the PS5 Slim. Will you be getting one? Will this finally be the encouragement that you needed to get one? Are you hoping that maybe just because sales are undoubtedly going to be a little bit better of this one, that maybe you'll be able to find one on the shelves? That was a problem for quite a while. Or are you interested in potentially adding on that Blu-ray disc drive? Do you think that makes any sense? Or is that just kind of a silly thing that Sony is trying to do to make, give themselves an excuse to release a digital only version and then give you the like option down the road that you'll never actually take in their vision. Sony, for some reason in the past year has become the pointless accessory hardware. I don't know what they're doing as far as that goes, but they just keep making these absolutely, are we still trying to keep Blu-ray alive? Exactly. They keep making these kind of pointless and random ancillary accessories. And I'm not quite sure 
why they're doing that, but they are. Next up, new story is Crunchyroll is expanding the world of anime by launching a 24 free channel, making a beloved series even more accessible to fans across the U.S. Crunchyroll, a prominent platform for streaming anime, is launching a free 24-hour anime channel in the U.S. This ad-supported channel will be accessible via LG Channels, the Roku Channel, Vizio Watch Free Plus, and soon on Amazon's Freebie. The channel will kick off with a roster of older anime series dubbed in English, including Hormia, Ranking of Kings, old, old anime series, and Code Geass. I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that maybe Hormia could be considered old and Code Geass could be considered old, but Ranking of Kings is not old. However, newer and premium shows will continue to be a part of Crunchyroll subscription and ad-supported streaming services. The channel is a joint project between Crunchyroll and the Game Show Network, both of which are entities under Sony Pictures Entertainment. Sony acquired Crunchyroll in 2021 and later combined it with the Funimation Anime Streaming Service. Crunchyroll has been through a weird bit of evolution, and let's make no mistake that they are not necessarily the good guys in any scenario. They are just as much a corporation and just as much a kind of place trying to make as much money out of you as possible so that they can sustain. But I appreciate Crunchyroll in the sense that they are bringing a lot of anime culture. They're creating a culture. They have a convention. They do a lot of things that hopefully are encouraging a kind of healthy bit of culture and trying to be a hub for that. So I appreciate this. I think it's exciting. I All I could think of was being a kid again. And man, what I mean, how nice would it be? Like, I remember struggling. You had two times, two times. Well, I guess every night, every weeknight, and then Saturdays. Those were your opportunities. You had Toonami. That was when you got your anime. And then Saturday morning on Four Kids. And it was like, that was it. You had the WB, and then you had Toonami. And if you didn't catch one of those windows, you just didn't get to watch anime. Or you would rent straight to, straight to like VHS tapes of anime, and you would watch some like random Ghibli films or random Dragon Ball Z ones. I swear, I watched the Garlic Jr. Dead Zone Dragon Ball movie a million times because it was available at the movie gallery. So the fact that we have this 24-hour channel, I think, is great. And hopefully it will increase accessibility for anime, for those that are in the in the in the childhood universe that I wish that I could have had. Any thoughts on this one? Be sure to leave them in the comments or drop them down below. We're going to move on to some more anime conversation. The Dragon Ball universe, speaking of Dragon Ball Dead Zone, is expanding with Dragon Ball Daima, an exciting new series unveiling younger versions of iconic characters set to premiere in 2024. A new series in the Dragon Ball franchise titled Dragon Ball Daima is set to premiere in the fall of 2024. The announcement was made at the Dragon Ball panel during the New York Comic Con. A teaser released by Toei Animation revealed de-aged versions of beloved characters such as Goku, Vegeta, Bulma, and many others. Akira Toriyama, the original creator of Dragon Ball, is behind the artwork for this series, and it's hinted that he's even more involved than usual. While there are elements reminiscent of Dragon Ball GT, this series will cover an entirely original story. The exact place of this series in Dragon Ball timeline remains a mystery. Shenron, the Eternal Dragon, is shown in the teaser with the phrase, Now, state your wish, followed by the appearance of a younger Goku and several other characters. I have no idea what's going on. I'm so confused as to why this exists. I'm so perplexed as to what is, what, why now? Why here? What are we doing? Dragon Ball Super is still very much a thing that is being written and being created, and I don't know what we're doing. I don't understand what's going on. I'm so concerned. Is this going to be a short series? Is it a spinoff series? It's still Goku. Why is he a kid? Why does he have the power pole? What's, how, what's happening? I don't know. I'm so confused, and I'm so curious. I guess more Dragon Ball is a good enough thing. I kind of hope that it's maybe like a more kid-oriented version. That'd be fun to have like a Dragon Ball that I could show my daughter. That would be neat. 
sure why not like i feel like there are pretty adult things and harsh fights in the original dragon ball z series that i would not want my daughter watching she's four but maybe if there was like a slightly more childish version with still some action in it sure i don't know i have no idea what's happening i'm panicking i love toriyama and i love all of the good good work of dragon ball so i'm interested i'm curious i'm gonna watch it but i have no idea what's happening or where this came from this this was a real like out of left field thing that I would have never expected in a million years. Next up, we're going to move into our next story. Animal Crossing fans rejoice. Lego and Nintendo have joined forces to launch five captivating sets inspired by the game's cherished characters and scenes available March 2024. Lego has unveiled its collaboration with Nintendo, featuring sets inspired by the beloved, beloved game Animal Crossing New Horizons. The sneak peek was shown in a brief trailer shared by Lego. The collection comprises five sets capturing elements from the game, such as popular characters and settings. Notable characters like Tom Nook, Isabel, and Julian will be among the figures in the sets. Some of the available sets are Julian's birthday party, which will be $14.99 and features 170 pieces of Lego. Veneer's outdoor activities is 164 pieces for $19.99. And Nook's Cranny and Rosie's House, which are, I guess, both 535 pieces for $74.99. Uh, it's worth mentioning that LEGO and Nintendo have collaborated previously with products ranging from a brick-based Nintendo Entertainment System to Super Mario-themed sets. And you know what, you guys? I am so sorry. I just really apologize. But that is actually not the Animal Crossing LEGO set. It is actually this! That's the Animal Crossing Lego set. Oh, how silly of me. Somehow I seem to have placed the incorrect image. This is the image that you should have seen with these sparse, broken up Lego sets with nothing connecting them, just sitting on a random wooden table with very familiar characters. This instead is actually what was pitched to Lego back in 2020 that they denied. This was the original concept that they rejected until working on one of their own. This looks so much better. I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this because it sure did feel like it over on our Discord the other night, but doggone it, I'm gonna die on this hill. Those Legos are boring. This is the most boring Lego set I have ever seen. I am so not excited for this Animal Crossing set. I think the minifigs look fantastic. I can't wait to get them. And I'm super excited for the custom pieces. Look at the Nook's Cranny and look at the fruit. And maybe some of the, some of the like things look a little bit more specific. Maybe they're like the bug net or things like that. But doggone it, the rest of the set is so boring. Why are the houses only half houses? Why is everything so uninspired? Why are the trees so tiny and uninteresting? Why is everything so sparse and disconnected? Why does it all look like they're on little mini tiny islands instead of one connected piece? Everything about this is boring, whereas this one looks exactly like Nook's Cranny. What are they thinking? Look at that tree. Look at the detail. This is what they rejected. They rejected that one and instead chose one that uh, I think looks so much worse. I'm not sure what they're doing. I'm not sure why they did it. I've not been in the Lego scene for a while, but I do love Legos. And I think this is so uninspired and I'm the only one that it seems has this take. I don't know why, but I am fired up about it. So maybe it's cheaper. Maybe this would be more expensive if it was the bigger set. But you know what? I mean, I'd be willing to pay bigger money for a bigger Nook's Cranny that actually looks better as, as opposed to this one that is just, I mean, it's just a storefront. I want so much more from them and I had such higher expectations. Whenever I saw it, I got super hyped. I love Animal Crossing and I love Lego growing up. And so I wanted something better. 
But I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, I am hopeful that uh, whenever I actually see them, maybe it'll be better. I thought uh, I have the Sonic set over there. And you know what? The Sonic set at first did the exact same thing to me. I thought this looks weird. It looks cheap. It doesn't look like it's thought out. But then I got it, right? It's, it's a long, lengthy set that looks like a level. I don't see how this looks like Animal Crossing. Maybe they're thinking like you'll get the island yourself and you want to place the buildings where you place them. Maybe that's what they're going for. And maybe I'll get it whenever I actually see them. Maybe they'll feel better once I build them myself. But you know, doggone it, I just think that looks so much better than that. And you can go back and look up all of the applications for the Lego ideas from 2020 and see all of the sets that are so much more inspired than the ones that they actually came up with. I'm sorry that I'm so fired up about this, but I am fired up. I would love to hear your thoughts about if you think that I'm onto something at all. That does look better. You have to agree. <laughs> if you don't think that looks better, I want you to convince me why this one looks better because I just don't think it does. Except for, as Leantifier said over in the chat, maybe it's for pricing? Maybe. But you know what? They had no problem charging like $500 for that NES and they could charge more. They could charge more. Who wants Animal Crossing? It's the adults. It's the adults with adult money. And I, I think they could do better. I think they could do better. Lego, I believe in you. I think you could have done better than this. Maybe in, in wave two, Help me understand something more. Also, no KK Slider, which I think is pretty crazy. I would say that, you know, Tom Nook, Isabel, KK Slider, those are the three biggest characters from Animal Crossing. Super interesting that they didn't include them. Maybe the, you know, I could have seen whatever the owl's name is. I can't remember his name for some reason, but the one who keeps the museum, wave two, totally makes sense. But no KK Slider in the first wave? Baffling. Okay, before I continue going off about this, Blathers, thank you, Zando. Before I continue going off about my rage over these Lego sets, because I seriously just think they're boring, we're going to get into our next news story. Yes, I did. I definitely did not forget. I definitely would never forget it. The truth is, is that I haven't played Animal Crossing New Horizons since 2020, and that's my own fault. And I should probably get back into it because I really enjoyed that game, and it was such a good COVID game, and I really do enjoy Animal Crossing. However, I enjoy it enough that I think these Lego sets are boring. Next up, Epic Games. In a bid to ramp up its competition with Steam and enhance its platform, Epic Games introduces the Now on Epic program, offering game developers a higher revenue share for bringing their older titles to the Epic Games store. Epic Games, known for the global sensation Fortnite, has rolled out a new program titled Now on Epic, aimed at persuading game developers and publishers to introduce their older games to the Epic Games store. This move has a twofold intention, enhancing the user experience by making it simpler to find older games and bolstering competition against the dominant Steam platform. As an incentive, developers who enroll their games in this program can enjoy an increased net revenue, pocketing 100% of the earnings from user spending on their back catalog games for the initial six months after releasing on the platform. After this period, the profit distribution returns to the usual 88% for developers and 12% for Epic. For eligibility, developers must meet certain criteria, such as having at least three games on another third-party PC platform or a subscription service. The motivation for this initiative may stem from Epic's challenges in vying with Steam, coupled with a recent internal issue like the significant workforce reduction that we've been talking about the past couple weeks over on Twig here. So... I thought this was interesting enough. I don't really know if, I, I don't think Epic is ever going to compete with Steam. I would love to see them continue to try because I enjoy them giving me free games every single week that I download and then never use because I just keep them on Epic, but I never boot up Epic. 
I just think that they need better exclusives. And the truth is, is that they have like one of the best exclusives, right? They have Fortnite that is, whether it's objectively the best or whether it is subjectively the best, whether you personally enjoy it, objectively, it's hard to deny its cultural staying power. But I am I am curious to see if this does anything for them. It definitely feels to me like Epic is scrambling. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but they're making so many choices over the course of like three weeks. And I, I don't know what that means for the future of Epic. I don't know if we're going to see something change drastically with Epic if these moves don't work. But something weird is going on in Epic, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous about the future of this gaming entity, especially the behemoth that they are. But I don't know. I don't know what this means, but I am super curious to see where things continue to go. For the Epic Games experience, I will continue to keep you in touch here on Twig. So be sure, if you haven't already, click that subscribe button. Follow along here so that you can make sure that you can tune in to all of our Twig episodes. With that, we're going to move in to uh, our last news story, our last trending headline. Analog reveals the Analog 3D, a state-of-the-art console for the Nintendo 64 era, boasting 4K capabilities and complete N64 cartridge compatibility set to release in 2024. Hardware developer Analog, acclaimed for their contemporary renditions of classic game consoles, uh, has unveiled the Analog 3D, a cutting-edge variant of the Nintendo 64 that supports 4K resolution. The Analog 3D will also feature Bluetooth support and possess ports for original N64 controllers, facilitating classic-style gameplay. Furthermore, a collaboration with 8BitDo will produce a wireless controller tailored for this console. Remarkably, the Analog 3D guarantees full compatibility with any N64 cartridge, irrespective of its geographic origin, though copyrighted ROM files and open FPGA support are not part of the package. This announcement follows Analog's pattern of revamping older game consoles like the SNES and Sega Genesis. The Analog 3D will launch in 2024, presenting Nintendo enthusiasts with a contemporary alternative to use their original N64 cartridges. This is... It's pretty wild. If you haven't checked it out, if you haven't kept up with analog and the work that they've done, they are one of my favorite emulation device creators out there, which of course they do not support emulation. They do not want to get in trouble for that, but, or I guess they, they don't care about emulation. They don't want to uh, necessarily support ROM hacks and, and taking copyrighted ROM files off, but instead using and emulating the original software to play the games that you already own and possess. I think this is pretty crazy that they are guaranteeing full N64 support. Now, it's not that crazy whenever you consider the scope of the games library compared to the N64 to most other consoles. The N64, most people don't really realize, is pretty small. It's really not that big of a games library. It's fairly manageable. It's certainly large, but it is not so large that it is overwhelming whenever pretty much any other console is going to get pretty quickly overwhelming. Maybe save for the PS1, but even then I'm kind of just talking out of left field. I know the N64 catalog is fairly small. So this is an interesting thing. I guess that's the, the what makes it sort of surprising, but not. What's truly surprising is that they're also saying that that is, regardless of geographic region, we all know about region locking in consoles, hopefully, where you can play certain games in your US printed you know, game console, but the game has to match that U.S. printing. So if you try to play a Japanese game in a U.S. console, it's not going to work. Or if it does work, it'll have to be broken in some way, shape, or form to bypass that firewall in the actual console. So this is guaranteeing that every game from every geographic region will work on this thing. 
pretty interesting, pretty curious. I'm excited that they're continuing to include uh, original controller support. I don't know if they did that for SNES and Genesis. I know that obviously the one that I'm most curious about is their Game Boy. And the Game Boy one was just a Game Boy. You didn't have anything that you plugged into it or did anything different with it, but it did support a good chunk of carts in that as well. So I'm super curious about this. I will be ordering one. I will be buying one. I'm super excited about it. I really, really hope they don't go on crazy backlog. And they always do. Every single like analog thing takes forever. So hopefully I will be a day oneer and get on there pretty quickly so that I can actually get it shipped to my door in a relatively uh, reasonable amount of time. But let me know if you're a collector and if you're excited about this as well. Well, that's actually going to wrap up our headlines for today. And we're going to move into everybody's favorite segment of the show. That's right. It's time for Cryptic Critiques. Cryptic Critiques is the game show that we do here on Twig, where I have found a game that is pretty much unanimously loved, but not completely unanimous because I found some bad reviews. I take five-star games and five, find some one-star reviews, read them off to you, and see if you can guess them in time. So I will let you make your guesses in the chat. We don't have a guest tonight, so you can just make the guesses as you would like. If you're watching on TikTok, be sure to try and guess as well over in the comment section. I would love to to see if you're able to get it. Let me know also when you guessed. Did you guess before the first prompt, second prompt, third prompt? When did you actually get this one? Our first prompt for tonight's game is a neat distraction, but this is exactly the kind of game that gets boring to me really fast. A neat distraction, but this is exactly the kind of game that gets boring to me really fast. If you're able to guess it from this one, you're very good at this. Prompt number two, a dating simulator that will give you arthritis. A dating simulator that'll give you arthritis. A neat distraction, but this is exactly the kind of game that gets boring for me really fast. And then a dating simulator that will give you arthritis. And then number three, one word, Tumblr. T-U-M-B-L-R. Tumblr as in the app. A neat distraction. This is exactly the kind of game that gets boring to me really fast. A dating simulator that'll give you arthritis. And Tumblr, does anybody have a guess they want to drop in the chat? Let me know what you think it might be. I'll give you it to the count of five. One, two, three, four, five. If you guessed Hades, then you are correct. That's right, Hades, the pretty exceptional roguelite that, that really swept the Game Awards and everything else was goatee for a lot of different places and also featured a swath of unreasonably attractive characters and, and just very much characters that people were very into is what I'll say. And so hilarious. These reviews are really fun. I think the I think that the there were a lot of reviews that were like truly negative, but I tried to find the ones that were fun as well as somewhat negative. I don't think Tumblr is necessarily a bad review. It's just a take. So let me know if you got this one and let me know when you got it. But we're gonna get into our next section, which is of course To the Discord, if you would like to submit news to us, bit.ly slash deartwig, D-E-A-R-T-W-I-G, or go use our Discord server. We would love to get you know you there. Every Monday, typically Monday morning, I try to drop over in our Ask Questions, Get Answers section, what news should Twig know about? And I also pay attention to the news that you're posting throughout the week. And if you would like to drop your thoughts, be sure to let us know what news we should know about in that space. 
Our first news story from to the Discord is from Mayfly. Matt Mercer is set to voice Vincent Valentine in the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. While he won't be a playable character this time, fans are eagerly awaiting this game's deeper dive into familiar tales and new stories. Matt Mercer, a well-known voice actor and star of Critical Role, has been cast to play Vincent Valentine in Square Enix's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. This revelation came at the NYCC and was confirmed via official Final Fantasy Twitter account. Previously, Mercer has voiced characters like Ganondorf in The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Interestingly, the Square Enix team pranked Mercer with a faux NBC role before unveiling his real role as Vincent. In this sequel, Vincent will not be a playable character, but will serve an accompanying role similar to Red 13 in Final Fantasy VII Remake. The release date for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is set for February 29th, with Square Enix sharing that it will delve into new story content focused on Zack and possibly offer backstory into Sephiroth for Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. So that is the first news story about Matt Mercer. I know that we have a lot of Critical Role fans, and this is exciting news. I always love seeing familiar faces get roles that are also very familiar so exciting stuff i continue to be excited for the future of final fantasy 7 although i think this is like i'm pretty sure this is the second of three maybe i don't even know if they'll go past two installments but it's such a long game that i think that's pretty easy to expect to be at least a three-parter if not a little bit longer curious stuff here next up another news story from our discord Another one from Mayfly. After 24 dedicated years with Bethesda, with Bethesda Softworks, key executive Pete Hines hangs up his hat, leaving behind a legacy of significant contributions and impactful leadership just as Bethesda celebrates the success of Starfield. Pete Hines, a pivotal executive at Bethesda Softworks, has declared his retirement after a remarkable 24 years with the company. The announcement was shared on the social media platform X. Bethesda appreciated Hines for his embodiment of the company's values like authenticity, integrity, and passion. Hines, after joining Bethesda in 1999, ascended from Senior VP of Global Marketing and Communications to Head of Global Publishing. He was a significant advocate for Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax Studios, Bethesda's parent company, and testified during the Microsoft versus FTC trial concerning the Activision Blizzard merger. He also frequently addressed the public on Bethesda's behalf, assuring the quality of games like Redfall. Eesh. This retirement news arrives shortly after the success of Starfields, Bethesda's latest game, and the finalization of Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Cool stuff. This is an interesting time. I feel like this, like we're just in this reprieve of, of this merger being officially approved and everybody kind of finally getting to take a sigh of, of relief. We've had a successful game in Starfield, a not-so-successful game in Redfall, and it feels like a good time to make a quick exit and, and hang up the hat, as they, as they say. So good stuff, exciting stuff. 24 years is a really respectable time to work for a company. Uh, good job, Pete Hines. Hopefully you'll be, you'll be well represented in the, in the future of the gaming industry as so many of the gaming greats have. And we'll see when they announce who steps into this position as the next head of global publishing. I am a fan of Bethesda, and I think that it's always exciting to see what they do next. Next up, this is from me, but it's actually on behalf of one of our members, H-Man or B-Surfer, depending on where you see him. As anticipation builds for Alan Wake, Two Epic Games blends worlds with Alan Wake flashback in Fortnite, letting players dive into a condensed experience of the iconic narrative, further cementing the collaborative bond between Epic and Remedy. Epic Games has launched a new experience with Fortnite titled Alan Wake Flashback, recreating elements from Remedy Entertainment's 2010 game Alan Wake. Players can access this new experience by entering a code and delve into the mysteries of Bright Falls. This launch comes just 10 days before the much-anticipated Alan Wake 2 is set to release. The initiative provides an accessible recap for those who haven't played the original 
original, but are eager for the sequel. Epic Games and Remedy Entertainment's collaboration history includes Epic serving as the publisher for Alan Wake Remastered and the upcoming sequel. Additionally, a week prior, an Alan Wake skin was introduced to Fortnite, making the Halloween theme for Fort Nightmares 2023. So I had to share this one at the very least for H-Man in case he hadn't heard about it. This is pretty cool and exciting stuff. I think Fortnite, for as much garbage as I give Fortnite, for as much as I talk bad about them, I do think, doggone it, they're innovative and they do neat things within their game system, such as build a mini game within their game. I think that's super cool. I think the way that they're able to not only encapsulate a full narrative of an existing game, but also use it as a means for publicity for a sequel to that game coming up. Kudos cool good job proud of you and i love to see all the different skins and to share that as much as i will probably never boot up Fortnite again i do think this is a really neat thing with that it's going to wrap up our to the discord section again bit.ly slash dear twig d-a-r-t-w-i-g if you like submit news or every monday over on our discord server we'd love to get to know you there with that we're going to move into another favorite but not the favorite segment of the show at this point in history it's at this point in nerd history, what has been released on, the, uh, released on this exact day throughout time and space, October 17th throughout time and space. We're going to start with games. I've got one movie and then a couple of random bits of news thrown in there throughout history. We're going to start with games, as I said, in 2013, October 17th, 2013, The Stanley Parable was released. The Stanley Parable, the full version. I think last week we actually did the demo version, but this week was the full version. 2010 was Kirby's Epic Yarn. 2006, the classic Bully was released. 2005, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance for the GameCube, which is one that I have yet to play, but would love to finally make it work. Uh, 2002, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney uh, Justice for All was released in Japan, which, as you all know, I love Phoenix Wright more than most uh, games out there, and Justice for All is one of the good ones. Uh, with that, we have a movie, eight, the only movie that I could find released on this day and time. Max Payne did release. And two random bits of bits of fun facts there. 1933. 1933. So we're going way back. Newsweek appeared for the very first time on October 17th in 1933 on newsstands. And then another prolific magazine in 1888. We are going back to the 1800s, 19th century, 1888. The first issue of National Geographic magazine was released at newsstands. So I thought those were two pretty fun facts. I didn't know. I, you know, I've never really thought about magazines. I've never thought about how, how like, long ago magazines released, but this was a fascinating bit of history here for me at least. So I hope that you found that intriguing. With that, we're going to go in to our next segment of the show. All right, what is in the week ahead in the world of TV movies, comics, and games? We're going to go through these relatively quickly, so hold on to your pants. We're going to start with TV. We have two TV shows releasing this week, both on the 19th. Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix. If you missed the original Captain Laserhawk by Adi Shankar, this is coming right hot on the heels of Castlevania Nocturne, another project from Shankar being produced by him. And then on the 19th, Scavenger's Reign is coming to HBO Max. Moving on to movies, some movies that we have coming up in the next week. On the 17th, that is today, Justice League X Ruby from Rooster Teeth, Superheroes and Huntsmen Part 2 
is being released, the longest title known to mankind, Justice League X Ruby, Superheroes and Huntsman Part 2. Mortal Kombat Legends Cage Match, a Johnny Cage story, is also being released. I assume both of those will probably be released on HBO Max, which I guess is just called Max now. On the 19th, Netflix is releasing a movie called Crypto Boy. On the 20th, the longest movie of all time, The Killers of the Flower Moon, the latest Scorsese film with Leo DiCaprio, talking about one of the first stories ever by the FBI. I think that's right, is coming out on the 20th. Nyad is coming out on Netflix on the 20th. Old Dads is coming out on the 20th as well, Netflix, Bill Burr. And then The Pigeon Tunnel is coming to Apple TV and is going to be telling a story about the real life of a British spy documentary coming out there. Coming up in comics, actually some really exciting comics coming out in the next week on the 17th. That is today again. Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus is coming today. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong drops today. Lego Space 1978 through 1992 drops today. And then one that I'm very curious about, genuinely as going to uh, thinking about adding to my Goodreads, Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees looks like this idyllic small town cutesy art with a serial killer in this small town. So I'm super curious about it. It's like pink and bubblegum colored. And I'm guessing it's going to go to some pretty dark places. Super curious about that one. And then coming out tomorrow, a Cyberpunk 2077 story, XOXO, is being released. Now we're going to move into all of the games coming out in the next week. It's quite a few, as always. All the games that released today. A Boy and His Blob Retro Collection. Cyber Knights Flashpoint is an RPG. Iron Meat is a new run and gunner. A new mobile game, Mobile Suit Gundam, UC Engage. And then a mobile version of Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Onslaught. Skull Island Rise of Kong, one of the worst looking games of the year. Sonic Stuper, Sonic Superstars. Sonic Superstars did drop today to some middling reviews, but to some pretty exciting ones as well. If you plan on playing the new Sonic, definitely let me know. I'm super curious about playing it. I don't know if I will pick it up or not, but thinking about it. Undying is a new horror adventure. Wizard with a Gun is a new online co-op game that you'll be seeing here in just a little bit here on our Twitch channel. Agatha Christie, Murder on the Orient Express, in case you've somehow missed out on the story of Murder on the Orient Express, despite it being told and retold and told and retold, is going to be getting a game version. On the 18th, the game that I'm sure you can't predict the premise of, Alaskan Road Truckers, Furnish Master, and then a roguelite that looks kind of like Hades, Hellboy, Web of Weird. The Troop is a new World War II turn-based sim. And then on the 19th, we have Airport Sim, which is, I am assuming, a simulator of an airport. We have a Rareware homage game called Cavern of Dreams. Looks just like an N64 Rareware days. Roguelite tactical game called Endless Dungeon. Forgive Me Father 2, which is a demo game we almost played for Next Fest. It looks like a horror FPS. Gargoyles Remastered, the classic Sega Genesis Gargoyles game, has been remastered. Ghostbusters Spirit Unleashed is getting a Game of the Year edition. They're calling it the Ecto Edition with all DLC included. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged, uh, a game that you may recall we played the demo of a couple months ago, Inescapable, No Rules, No Rescue. They told me they'd send me a key, so I'm very curious to see if we get the full game there. I would love to play it. Uh, Leica, Age Through Blood, that's also a game that we have played on our demo Demondays. Um, this was the one with the motorcycle, and the full game is being released uh, again on the 19th. Um, Spirit of the Island is a new island simulator RPG. And then The Gap looks like a new walking sim of some sort, maybe a heavy story. Looks like something kind of up my, up my alley. 
On the 20th, Garden Buddies is a new casual game. Somebody Tell Trombone, Power Wash Adventure is being released on the 20th. Slay the Princess looks like a new unexpected subversion, fourth wall breaking visual novel. Spider-Man 2, of course, releases on the 20th. Coming right around the corner. Everybody's hyped and excited for it. Can't wait to see how it does. Releasing on the same day somehow, the game that I'll be playing instead of Spider-Man 2 is Super Mario Bros. Wonder is releasing on the 20th. And then Trinity S is a new MMORPG coming out on the 20th as well. So those are all of your games, all your comics, movies, TV. we got a lot of exciting stuff. Let me know if any of those are going to join your backlog. For me, I am thinking I am definitely going to add to my backlog Sonic Superstars as a possibility, assuming it does well. Inescapable, I'm very curious about. I really enjoyed Laika. I don't know if I would continue playing it or not, but I'm curious. The Gap, I'm super curious about. Slay the Princess. Spider-Man 2, eventually I'll end up playing. And then Super Mario Bros. Wonder is going to be a day oneer for me. With that, we're going to get into our final segment of the show. That's right. It is time for our meme of the week. And our meme this week comes from that one red panda over on our Discord server. If you would like to get your meme featured, then simply use our memes and goofs channel over on our Discord. And I typically pick the one that has the most reactions for the week. This time we have the new Napoleon movie with Joaquin Phoenix. But instead, this is Napoleon as in Napoleon Dynamite. Love to see it. Always a good time to see Napoleon. Tina, eat your food. So good. So fun. Love to see it. So if you appreciate good memes of good taste, such as this one, then be sure to join our Discord if you haven't already. And that, friends, folks, chat, comments, YouTube, podcast, all of you, this has been Twig, your weekly, weekly family-friendly news show delivered live on twitch.tv slash Church each week on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, keeping your family connected to the world of nerdy news. If you watched this far, you likely enjoyed this one, so remember to give us a five-star on your favorite podcast app. Click that like button. Recommend the show to your favorite nerds. Do whatever you got to do. Let us know that you saw this. We're glad that you kept up with us this far. We are back next week again with some more Twig, and we're going to end this one as we always do. With our three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there, whether you believe in God, don't believe in God, go to church, don't go to church, hate God, hate church, we still believe these things to be true about every single one of you. Number one, we believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here with shows like this, with things like Twitch, with a Discord server community. We want community with you. And number three, that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it folks with that until the next time that i see you whether it be for another episode of twig next week or whether it be over on our twitch or on our discord or on our youtube wherever i see you i look forward to seeing you then until next time bye bye